0: You're listening to the Built Chiefs Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Tune into Midco SN this Friday at 7 p.m. for a special edition of North Dakota Hockey Central. We'll recap a wild Midwest regional with Brad Berry and put a bow on another special season. Watch it on Midco SN, Midco Sports Plus, or on Midco SN's YouTube channel. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Chiefs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, eleven o'clock Central Time, on March the thirtieth. Alex Simon, Build Shaves. Bill, it felt like spring the last couple days. Maybe not so much today, but certainly that calendar. Starting to turn. How does today find you this morning?
1: Yeah, same, same, Alex. I, I think a little, uh, little windy, but uh, but mm. outside of the wind, uh, the temps really have been tremendous over the last uh, couple of uh, weeks, and I think heading, uh, uh, you know, in the next few weeks, and to be able to play the outside sports that we have been able to has been awesome, and then. Uh, Uh, We're hoping uh, softball will finally get a a couple of home home games here in the not so distant future. And when that happens, uh, you know, I think just about everybody's kind of checked the box of uh, being able to actually have home games uh, this uh, academic year.
0: Yeah, it's been amazing to see soccer out at Bronson Field. And like you said, softball just just around the corner, a couple of games coming up in two weeks for them at Apollo. It looks like right now those things are going to happen. It's, it's amazing when you don't get a ton of snow. The field is not isn't a mess in mid to late April as it looks like it's going to be. Again, fingers crossed. There's still some time between now and then, but it's exciting that those things will take place and we can have what sort of looks like a normal spring moving forward for those teams.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think we're getting to a place where A lot of our sports have uh, concluded their seasons or they're about to conclude uh, the ones that uh, transitioned from the fall to the spring. Uh, And then uh, if it almost has that feeling, uh, you know, I think the spring sports will still be the ones to finish uh, last because naturally that's what their calendars or schedules look like. So, you know, we're heading in that direction. And uh, what a crazy year at the end of the day. I mean, if you're going to look back and and you followed the end of last academic year and coupled it with this year, it still is in, you know, each day is its own day. I mean, uh, and we've, you know, we've encountered that certainly on the football side. And I know we'll talk about that in a second, but yeah, it's just, uh, each, each hour is literally its own
0: hour. It's amazing how that is still the case again, over, over a year, since we had the initial COVID shutdown in the middle of March in 2020, that this is still very much real. And yeah, like you said, we will get into what's going on with football. We'll chat a lot about some of those spring sports: Softball having a great run, women's soccer coming off of big weekends. We'll get into all that. The lead, though, for this week has got to be the historic hockey game that we witnessed on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. North Dakota taking on Minnesota Duluth after defeating American International in the first round of the Midwest Regional a, a tremendous hockey game a tremendous events bill really from start to finish that really became a phenomenon across the nation for sports fans who weren't necessarily plugged in to the college hockey scene it's just too bad we couldn't come out on top in the ends
1: yeah alex no question i think you know we go into a, a sporting event and sometimes you never know what you're going to witness and we literally witnessed history and and then sadly you know when both teams are giving it, they're all, someone's going to come out on top. And then unfortunately, someone's going to be the one that doesn't come out on top. And, you know, so we were on that side of history, so to speak, but I, I would say the performance of both teams was heroic and, uh, and there's just no other words to say it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I can recall um, the, uh the Islanders Capitals game. I think it was back when Pat LaFontaine scored a goal and I don't know what overtime that was and it feel had the same feel to it. And, uh, you know, I mean, just, uh, it was, uh, it was certainly gut wrenching. Uh, and, uh, I know this team accomplished so much, um, made history in in a young conference, uh, this year. And as we like to say, and, you know, uh, in I, I would say English premier soccer parlance, you know, won two, two trophies, right? One, uh, won the double, if you will. And, uh, and we're looking for the treble. And so, uh, and, and unfortunately that didn't, uh, that didn't come about, but it wasn't from lack of effort and, uh, just an amazing, uh, amazing game.
0: Really from start to finish, the whole weekend's had that that feel of, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And it started with Michigan having to pull out because of COVID issues the morning of their game against Minnesota Duluth on Friday. And then UND has that incredible first period against AIC on Friday night where they score four goals and about eight minutes to just sweep the game away to advance on. And that, again, that was that was the first NCAA tournament game for everybody on that roster. UND hadn't made it since 2017 they, of course, got last season wiped out. And it just had that feel like this team is, is just going to find a way. And then you, you transition to Saturday. That was incredible end-to-end stuff for the first 40 minutes. And then Duluth gets two off a couple of bad bounces, a broken stick, a deflected puck. And all of a sudden, you're down to nothing. And North Dakota comes back, just like they did in the frozen faceoff to score two goals late with the extra attacker. There just was something magical about this team. And you felt like, they're, they're, of course, they're going to get it done. Of course, they're going to find a way. But the opposition kind of has that same sort of magic inside them. I think it's what nine straight overtime wins now for Duluth in the NCAA tournament, going back to 1985. Like that's un- that's unbelievable, Bill.
1: Yeah, it is. I you know they uh, you know it's uh, two championship programs that yeah. feel as if they're gonna win the game. I mean, when, when, when it gets to that point, um, and then of course someone's going to, and they're going to get a, uh, you know, something's going to break their way. And, you know, I mean, we could talk about inches and all that other stuff and, you know, hitting three, three pipes. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reality of it is, uh, certainly, you know, we had our opportunities and, uh, unfortunately that it just didn't go in the net, you know, I mean, even the one that landed on top of the net, I mean, I, some things happened and, uh, you know, you just get to a point where, You know, you knew you you crossed the threshold of historic. There was a there was a point where we all that that's the reason why it gained so much attention, right? It was probably the only thing on. I mean, again, I, I'm at the arena, so I don't know <laughs> what else is on at that point if you're channel surfing. But if you're channel surfing and you're you you love sport, I mean, it doesn't matter what sport it is, when you're you're witnessing history, I, I think that's why you've got the casual folk that that came in and uh, and was just probably glued to it at that point when, once you got in you weren't going to leave
0: we had a meeting this morning with our uh, mid-cosn crew and almost everybody said the exact same thing like oh, i was watching ncaa tournament oral roberts was playing at the same time against arkansas earlier in the game and like yeah we flipped over to the und game after that was over and then you were just there for the duration and that's one of the fun things and one, one of the cruel things about playoff hockey like that sudden death hockey like one moment and you're done or at one moment and you advance. And it's must-see TV and it's it's hard to watch sometimes when you've got so much invested. But you, you give the kids, again, on both sides a ton of credit. I thought, again, for North Dakota to have to play the day before when their opposition didn't, they, they looked like they were the fresher team in overtime, which was really impressive. They had the better of the play really for the first, second, third, fourth. I mean, big chunks of those overtime periods. And as The minutes started to mount, you know, you've played now two full games. Now you've played 140 minutes of hockey here tonight. You just had to wonder, how do you have the energy reserves to keep going out there? And they still found the way to keep playing at a pretty high level, really, from start to finish in the contest.
1: Yeah. So you touched on something that, uh, you know, behind the curtain. And that's why we do the pod. I mean and so why don't we let's 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 go behind the administrative curtain a little bit and uh um i I think when the brackets came out um i i i i think my chair has to do certain things and has to bring up certain topics and i made sure that i brought up the topic that it seemed odd that we were going to play the second the second game of the first day Uh, and um you know i would have said that no matter who in this case, was the number one seed, and in this case, the number one overall seed. And uh, this isn't sour grapes. It's To me, it's, it's just matter of fact, is as we move forward, I think we need to strongly consider putting a day in between uh, the semifinals and finals. We do it at the Frozen Four, and I'm not sure why we wouldn't do it in the regionals. And so if anything can come out of this to some degree, is to reignite that conversation again. Because you took the overall number ones and two seeds and put them in the same situation. And you you, you don't know in hockey when you don't go to the shootout and you don't go and you play to the end. If this game actually happened on the first day, I'm not sure what we would have done. And so at the end, we, we have to be thoughtful. I think there's a couple things that, that might come out of this uh, conversation. Historic game, no question. Will we ever see it again? Who knows? You know, you, you might want to think about is, I'll call it, three periods of overtime enough. Is that, mm-hmm. is that a conversation to have at some point in time? So that, and it has to be all, it all has to be pre-programmed because you have to know the rules of engagement when you go in and and once you do know that then you know what you play to that and so you know at the end of the day i think that's just how it goes i mean it's just interesting to me the world cup right eventually the, the, the world cup eventually does go to a shootout correct correct it does i'm not saying that's right or wrong it just does
0: it just does yeah you play you play two 15 minute overtime periods not golden goal not sudden death you play the full 30 minutes and if you're still tied then you go to a five-man shootout and that's that's in quote-unquote the world's greatest sporting competition that's the most viewed and, and the most watched and the most beloved at least worldwide so I know hockey is a different deal and I, we, we saw the same sort of conversations earlier this year well I guess last year in the summertime during the Stanley Cup playoffs I think that was was that the lightning and the Blue Jackets played? I'm trying to even remember now. I want to say it was Columbus and Tampa, but I could be wrong about that. But they played that, however many overtimes it was, four overtimes, five overtimes. And people started to have those conversations of, gosh, is this, uh, how do we feel about Because that was game one, I think, of that series. Yep. It brings up those interesting questions. Is it for the best interest of the competition that we keep doing this and we grind these teams to a halt? Because you're right, if you had that on Friday... And especially if it had been North Dakota AIC, for example, you've got North Dakota playing eight periods of hockey on a Friday night, and now they're going to go play at 630 the next day against a team that had not played, you know, that that would be in play according to the rules of engagement entering the weekends. It's an interesting point to bring up.
1: Yeah, and so uh, just so uh, I guess our folks know, you know, I always think through when is the right time for me to bring something up so that. I have the ability to continue to bring that up. And if I didn't do it before the game, then I'm not sure how much credibility I would have had post game. Mm-hmm. I knew a storm was coming. I didn't know it was the perfect storm. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know it. I, I didn't know that the situation would occur with a team to not play and that it happened On the day where you couldn't actually move the second game up into that slot, which would have been nice.
0: So explain to the people at home, why couldn't they move that game from 730 to one o'clock or two o'clock?
1: Timing. So we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this with football, too, (laughs) in some ways. it's all timing. And so so St. Cloud in BU, they had the situation occur prior to game day. And once that happens prior to game day, you've got some flexibility. But once you enter the world, it's now game day. Everything's pre-programmed at that stage of the game. Meals are pre-programmed, when you're waking up, pre-game skate, testing cadence at this point. So, it, it, you you need at least 24 hours in advance to make that decision. And so, again, the storm happened and it literally was perfect it was perfect so Duluth doesn't have to play we can't really move up we moved up an hour Mm -hmm. I mean it but literally we didn't move up that much and so at the end of the day uh, you know we didn't get into their slot that would have been the most logical thing to do at that point you know just just take that slot at that point but that couldn't happen and then you get to the next day and that game occurs and so I mean, how would you envision that? Now I did envision that, you know, back on the Monday morning, that seems odd to me, seems odd that in most tournaments you tend to try to protect the number one seeds. I'm just I'm just saying I, I don't think it's sour grapes. I think it's I think it's that's just what you do, like from youth tournaments on. You, you, you protect the number one seeds. And so that seems interesting to me. So then it goes back to, so what's the solution, Bill? You can complain all you want. Well, the solution is put a day in between. Mm. So if you put a day in between, then your television partner, no matter what game they want on whatever slot they put it, to some degree it doesn't matter because at least you've got the 24 hours in between.
0: So with that, why was the North Dakota game put into prime time, and, and you mentioned the broadcasting deal, but the game wasn't even on television, it was just on streaming. Why was UND then put in that 8.30 slot initially?
1: I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm gonna answer it this way. My guess is, if we're still in the world, and you're in the television business, so you can, you can tell me, but if let's just say linear TV is greater than streaming. Let's just pretend that is. I think over the course of time it has been, I'm gonna argue with you right now. Life might have changed a little bit. I mean, and True. that's certainly depending on what demographic you're talking to. If you're talking to my kids in our, my household, linear TV is not greater than streaming. <laughs> so old people like me might think that. I'm not sure it's the case. Hmm. So, So let's start there. But I would say this, that in this case, the television partner ESPN made a choice on maybe who they wanted on linear. So maybe you wanted the two time defending champ against a national brand called Michigan. That's fair. So I, I don't know. I, I wasn't in those rooms. I mean, we, we get the bracket and we just see where we're slotted. And you know, and so I have to ask the question. And I do I did. And I did because I believe now there needs to be a conversation about us putting a day in between. Yeah. And I, here's, here's the last thing I'll say on this one. Well, maybe not the last. Um, <laughs> here's what I will say, is I've gone back because I know a lot of folks that have been chairs of, 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 of the hockey committees, and I worked for a person that was the chair back in the late 90s. And so at the end of the day, I, I've tried to get some historical context on some things look at the coaches want the day in between others have brought this forward. I'm not the first one. So let's start there. But we have a moment in time right now that a perfect storm occurred that now I think we need to go back to the salad bar and say, Hey, look, we need to figure this thing out because now as we go to Pittsburgh, this just in, there's a day in between the semifinals and the finals.
0: Would the day in between be the croutons at the salad bar? Is it like the, the bacon bits? What, what's the analogy I'm that a, you would use? To-
1: yeah, I, I, I <laughs> do like going to certain salad bars that have to make decisions. And I'm hmm. not necessarily the one making the decision, but you have to go there with the right, um, um, the right style, the right content and really for the for the tournament itself and really for the benefit of the teams themselves and you know you you work too hard and too long over the course of the year to not uh put teams i would say in the right situations and i'm not complaining look i I, at the end of the day i agree with you i our our team would never use that as a as a call it quote unquote excuse no way no how no way no how But I think for our fan base that does listen to this, they probably are wondering, you know, is Bill thinking in these terms? Yeah, he is.
0: Yeah. And that's why we bring this up, I think, because that's an interesting perspective of how these things happen. And moving forward, there's obviously there's something weird about having to go back to back with the structure that's in place when overtimes and endless overtimes are available. You're really damaging the opportunity for one team to advance if they have to play even just like a two-overtime game, sort of a quote-unquote normal-ish overtime for a playoff hockey game. Maybe you play an extra 20 minutes or an extra 16 minutes, whatever. That really hurts your chances then to turn around the next day, especially if you're playing the late game. So these things just make sense, again, for the sanctity of the competition. If you play the entire season, you play from October until March, and you're trying to decide, not in a series, but in a one game, Wouldn't you want to make sure that, you know, it's not quite so random who gets to advance based on circumstances and adding an extra day, et cetera? All those things you're talking about, all those things make perfect sense.
1: Yeah, and and so you know, and I I always try to think, okay, what's the counter argument to it? Well, you play back to backs during the regular season. You're right. You're correct. But but we also have a kind of an end to the game. We've kind (laughs) of figured that out. That's one. And two, you know, when you're going into the Sweet 16 straight away into this tournament. um, all these teams are really good. Yeah. All of them. All of them. And so, and we, and we do know this, you know, history will tell us first one to three wins. Isn't that really what it is to some degree? And so, if you're talking the ability, it's not the first one to seven wins, really. It's usually three. So, you're going to have tight games. And, and, and so, even though these extra sessions might be uncommon, they're not so uncommon, though. That that we have seen, you know, overtimes that do occur. So I don't know. I just think moving forward, it's a good conversation for us to have. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna bring it to the table, and hopefully we can figure that out moving forward.
0: Just to wrap up the hockey conversation, just your thoughts, Bill, on the season.
1: <laughs> Historic. Uh, probably three ways. Um, just to compete, just to get to games, and how we had to do it, and the discipline and, uh, the responsibility and accountability that you had to have to just do it, uh, just to get to games, um, the ability to be flexible during the year, um, you know, we pivoted and went to Colorado college on a dime to go play games. And that was not in play going into the week, but then it it became a thing and we did it. Um, you know, the ability to go play basically 10 games in 20 days uh, to start the year was historic. Um, You know, the ending to try to just get in, we'll call it a tournament at one site to try to figure that out, um, probably will not be done again anytime soon. That was historic. Um, And we, you know, won two trophies, which was again, first time ever historic. And then we end the year with the longest game in the history of the NCAA. Historic. I, I, I just, I don't know how else to say it. I just, you know, proud of these guys. I mean, you know, it's just weird. It's a weird year. I mean, I, I was never around them, only via Zoom. And part of those reasons were, well, why, why is that the case? Well, to be tier one, it, it, you know what it takes, tier one, tier two, tier three, and you limit your tier ones. And because if you limit your tier ones, you limit interactions, you limit the spread of the virus, and then you potentially give yourself the better chance to actually do competition. So long answer, historic. (laughs) Uh,
0: A long one, but a good one and a fitting one for this season. It is hard to imagine, like when you think back to where we were, gosh, even in September, you know, when, when we knew the season was going to get pushed back and all the different conversations of what was going to happen. What, how are we going to play games? What are we going to do with the conference schedule? Things were so up in the air. And for this group to to play 29 games this season, to win 22 of them, 78% of their games, and yet, like you said, to win a couple of trophies, first time that's ever been done in the NCHC era, and to play this incredible game against a longtime rival, coached by a UND guy and Scott Sandlin. And you come up one bounce short of moving on to the Frozen Four. It's, again, your heart breaks for the guys, but they had a tremendous season and nothing to hang their heads over. And we're excited to see now where some of these young men get to go as they make some decisions on their future. A lot, a lot still going on for this program now as we transition into the offseason.
1: Yeah. And again, I, it maybe it's taken me deep into this uh, recording and I should have said it. Hass off to Duluth and, 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 uh, and what they brought to the table and what they continue to bring to the table. We have so much respect for that program. And I think there's mutual. Respect, and we saw it after the game as well. And you know, I, it wasn't the result we wanted for sure. Um, but uh, you, you, you just saw the 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 absolute respect that both these programs have for each other. And you know, um, you know, two of the four teams in the Frozen Four are obviously from the conference and could be an all-NCHC matchup in the final. Could be. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know this group endured, and. Uh, you know, they'll be bonded by something that, that they'll talk about forever. You wish it was going to be the final trophy, but, but this group will come back and they'll talk about that, that, that night in Fargo, that morning in Fargo.
0: Again, it's a special deal when you can raise a banner and this, this team raised two, essentially, when you think about the trophy they won last year to win the regular season title and then to do it again this year. And yeah, you just can't say enough about the job, Brad Berry, the staff and the guys did this season, tremendous hockey year from start to finish. And yeah, Go ahead, the
1: the last thing I said this to Brad on, uh, on Sunday and, uh, well (laughs) the continuation of Sunday, but it was later Sunday. It wasn't immediately Sunday. It was later (laughs) Sunday. Um, the one thing that I do think, Alex, that it, it, and again, we talk a lot on the B side about soccer and I, it's, it's fun to talk about that. Those teams, they really celebrate those trophies, right? Like they really do, no matter what it is. And I just hope we celebrate the accomplishment in these two trophies because, um, you know, you go into a one and done situation. Uh, in a tournament like the NCAA with 16 quality teams, you're basically winning four best-of-seven games. That's basically mm-hmm. what you're doing to get there. But you know that first one was you know over the, a long haul to get that one done, and then of course then there's a shorter kind of the one-and-done deal that we were uh, that we dealt with to win the second one, and um, to be the first team to do it in eight years when you've got you know defending champs for the last four. Uh, four seasons it's pretty impressive
0: yeah I would agree yeah for everything that I'd seen on social media and the response of the fan base too I think the fans of this program and there are many and they are passionate I think they understand how good this team was and how special their accomplishments were and I don't think there's anybody who's at home you know really I think there's a lot of disappointment, but there certainly isn't, you know, finger pointing or, or people no. say, I mean, you, how, how can you say that at this point? Like an unbelievable, someone someone has to win and someone has to lose and you only have one national champ at the end. And obviously it just, again, Brad even said it in the postgame press conference, the hockey gods maybe just weren't smiling on North Dakota that night. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah.
1: And, and I don't want to uh, make it come off sounding like, you know, that. To me, obviously, the end goal is always to raise the ninth banner that 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 we fully, fully get and understand. But the journey was just so interesting and special this year that, you know, this group is always going to come back and say, we had this COVID year. That was just, you know, like literally started historically and you were a part of it, right? For that many uh, days. And just, it, it's it's crazy. I, I've heard Tim Hennessy, who's done our games for 42 years, said, you know, he got attached to this program, this, excuse me, this team because of the start of how it worked in Omaha. So just, just, just really crazy year.
0: Yeah. Well, congrats again to Brad Berry and the guys on a phenomenal season. Tough to see it ends, but. Good things certainly this past year for that group and many, many good things still ahead. Flipping the page to football, who now is in this sort of pause. I mean, speaking of unique seasons, you know, the spring year, which started so well for North Dakota, four straight wins, flying high, number two in the country. They lose a tough one on the road to North Dakota State. And now the last two, oh, actually last week, excuse me, and now this week, have gotten mixed up a little bit in, in the COVID world that we've sort of been living in. And uh, they've got a couple of games now that it, one, one that's been postponed now to the end of the season, that road trip to Youngstown mm-hmm. is now going to take place on April the 17th. The game they were supposed to play at home this weekend against Missouri State has now been canceled because there are no open dates left to move it into. Just give us. Sort of the the last week or so, Bill, from your chair of what's been going on now with football and COVID protocols and what the Valley has decided moving forward.
1: Yeah, so not all COVID situations are created equal. And Mm. so they're just not. And so we were in our testing cadence last week and we were good to go after because we were doing uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. And so we were we were good until I got a call on Friday morning um, that we had, uh, someone in our tier one that did not feel well. And so went and tested and and then came back positive. And so right at that moment, you know, you're like, okay, timing right now, we've got actually a plane leaving at two o'clock. And so now you're scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, if you've got one person that's potentially infected, as we all know, you know, infection, probably, is not just isolated to that one person and you know so so as much as we wanted to go that just would not have been uh the prudent thing nor the right thing nor that's not what you do and so we had to unfortunately postpone the youngstown game and then as you mentioned we had the date at the end and they hadn't filled their slot in so that made some logical sense so that we could then Assess where we were and that's really what ended up happening so obviously we we knew we uh, uh, we actually had the ability to test on Saturday Alex because we had a PCR uh, event on campus and so then we were going to go back and also ramp up testing and do it again on Monday as well. And so because there's an incubation period that occurs, and so you might not just catch someone, you might catch a couple more on Saturday, which we did. And then you might end up getting finally maybe another one or two on Monday because the incubation may not uh, um, actually have kicked in until maybe a, a 48 or 72 hour period. So having said all of that, you know, depending on who then has has actually the infection and has to be isolated and then trace out the quarantines you get to a point do you have the right mix of players to actually play a game and and we knew that yesterday i mean once we got the information it was it was very uh very easy decision to know that we weren't going to be able to play this saturday and so for missouri's state's sake it's good for them to know as early as possible as well one they're traveling and yeah. two you you'd have to put time into something and we want it to be incredibly fair once we knew the information so you know knock on wood you know we're 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 hitting a pause this week from practices so we're not practicing once we stabilize things if you're clean so to speak and ready to go you could probably go maybe go get a lift in or something to that effect we'll start the practices again again assuming all things go okay next week again so we're, you know it, but we have all plans i mean we we want to go forward in play and and now unfortunately with the illinois state piece um, yeah. our next game is against youngstown at youngstown and that's what we'll be shooting for yeah
0: because that's the other part of this too UND would have a game on april the 10th at illinois state but they've opted out now of the spring season. Just too many injuries. They've been kind of decimated across the board and they decided it's just best for our program to step aside. And we saw schools in the big sky do that this past week. And there've been a couple schools who who had committed to the spring and then realized this maybe isn't in our best interest and have now backed out. At the same time, like you said, though, Bubba Schweiger said yesterday in his press conference, we're committed to playing this out. The playoffs are still in place. I believe I've seen the different numbers. I mean, it's it's a high rate of games that have actually been played. I think, what, 85% of games in the FCS this spring have gone on. So it's it's not like it's a coin flip every weekend. It just it feels maybe a bit in the valley right now because of recent events that things are crashing down. But there still is every hope to get that last game in and get ready for the playoffs on April the 24th.
1: Well, there's a combination. There's like three things really happening here. You're playing at a different time of year, which might have affected your roster with, I don't know, student athletes that are looking to go maybe to the NFL and they wanted to just work out and go to the draft, or they graduated in December and they they were done, so to speak, that could be the case. But then you're actually got a football season where you have your normal attrition as far as injuries are concerned, but then add in the infections. As far as taking some of those uh, folks out, and you might have to decide you know what as a, as a program, you're just not able to field the team and I think in reading what Cal Poly and I think Chad Nooga said yesterday, I think it was the same thing and, and, and so I think that's you know their situation. but you know for us, like you said we're we're completely committed to keep going forward. It's just we've hit a bump in the road,
0: yeah. Yeah, so it's it's another tough one to take for the guys, and you just hope. That, and, Bubba, and Bubba, yesterday in the press conference, I think the news was released at 1230, and then Bubba <laughs> spoke with the media at 1 o'clock, kind of his regular cadence for the week. And you could just see, I mean, there's obviously disappointment and frustration when you're game planning and, and you're trying to get back on track after a loss, and to have this happen now two weeks in a row, and, and knowing you're not going to get a game for a month. That's tough when you're having such a great season. But you could see the resiliency was there. And certainly, he's talked about the guys. The guys still want to play. They they were really disappointed when we we released that news this morning. And you know they're going to keep working at this and and try and get ready to finish out this season well. And again, still, there's still a national championship looming. Like This is all still in place. The FCS has not said that we're done. The Valley has not said that either. Everybody still has the intention of playing this thing out. So there's still a ton to play for. It's just, of course, too bad that it's going to be a little bit paused for a while here yeah, at the University yeah, of North you, football.
1: You know, we had to we had to you know hit pause on practices because we had to stabilize what we knew factually. And I think that's that's it. Like you, we 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 have to know what is happening with the program. You can't assume something. You have to actually know it. And and sometimes that just takes time. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And then, you know, the effects of how can you actually go play a football game is different than other sports, right? Like at the end of the day, I guess at 5'8", I could play power forward. I would get absolutely crushed (laughs) out there, but I think I could go do it. Um, There's a differential in certain position groups in the the sport of football. And I think, you know, we just all have to – I think we're all cognizant of that. But at the end of the day, there's um, roster – you you have to hit roster numbers to make sure that you uh, can put teams in a, a position to play an actual game.
0: One other football-related note since we potted last, Memorial Stadium does not exist anymore. And that's uh, a a neat development, I think, for the future. A lot of memories tied in with that building that had been around for a century. I think it was 90 years, I think, something like that. I mean, that's a long time for that structure to be up. It's weird to drive over the bridge now going into campus and not seeing that brick building I know overlooking the field. But again, big plans for that in the future, though. And it's going to be a great thing for the program and for the university moving forward.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It, it, it was um, it, back to the weather we talked about. The weather's been so good. I mean, uh, it'll be a long construction season for, uh, you know, um, communities that are that have winters. Right. And so uh, the the ability to to take down uh, just an iconic building where you know it kind of has that feeling of uh old yankee stadium it's got the ebbets field it's got it there's just so many memories tied to it that um people know the first time they ever went there and you know yeah it was built in 1927 and so uh you know it just uh it is sad i, I don't know what else to say it's it's very sad i mean i thought um dr Armacost and, and bubba did it just a fantastic job uh of kind of saluting Memorial Stadium. Um, you know, we had a you know, obviously uh, um, a few former coaches uh, speaking on behalf of that as well, and uh, it just, um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it is time to move on for sure, but the memories will always exist.
0: That's a place that the, that had housed the football coaching staff and locker rooms in recent seasons. After, of course, the Alaris Center was built, and they weren't actually playing games out there. And I, I've been in that building a lot, you know, talking with coaches, and you walk through and. It is that kind of place that just the echoes of history reverberate around the walls. But at the same time, it was time to move on. The poor thing had been around for a long time and had, you know, run its course. <laughs> there was there was uh, it was maybe time for an upgrade. And so if, if you want to speak a bit to that, what is just for people yeah. that maybe haven't been tracking, what is going to take its place?
1: Yeah, I, it,
0: let's let's face
1: facts. Memorial Stadium did its job plus. So uh, talking about overtimes, yeah, you might, might you might say it's in the fifth overtime. So um, we'll be using that, I guess, probably for a long time to come on this pod, right? So uh, <laughs> people will get tired of that. Yeah. So so that I would say, you come over the bridge. That it's really a good visual. Actually, come over the bridge. Look to the right, and 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 now um, where where Memorial's been vacated. The idea is to have a it, it's a public private partnership opportunity on that actual space. And so there'll be some ability to have apartments on floors two through five, but then the the first floor um, will be offices and that will be potentially our offices from what was Memorial and Hislop. And so that's the thought process at this point, because we always had visioned to put an addition on to the Pollard Center. And so now the addition of the Pollard Center does not have to include those offices. So really kind of that that's the fundraising portion of it so that so now we're going to raise funds for potentially I'll call it half the size of what we've envisioned initially that when, uh, when the Pollard center was built, uh, you know, at, back in opened in 2015, then in the middle there, Alex is the turf and the track. And, and we've got, we've got to upgrade that. We've it, really, the turf is coming to end a life and the track. Um, unfortunately has not been replaced for, for a lot of years. And so, uh, I'll just, Leave it there but at the end of the day <laughs> we need to figure that one out and, and, and so so if you look and you come over the bridge and look to the right i think you'll just kind of see you know a complex a, a complex where if your sport is one of those sports perfect that's where you pretty much be and if you're the other five sports you're going to be in the betty ralph complex mm-hmm. so now the betty ralph uh, five sports still would want to come over to this one because our student athlete success area would be over in that first floor of the, uh, public private. So that's kind of the explanation. That's the vision and, um, you know, so there's different ways i would say we're trying to fund things and so some of it has to do with straight donations some of it has to do with kind of internal conversations on how the p3 is going to work and then the uh the track and the turf would be a philanthropic endeavor as well
0: sure so good good plans in place long-term project of course it's going to make a big difference for the athletic department and for the university we will be excited to see that come together in the years to come but yeah again strange strange to have just the the open space now as you cross the Columbia Bridge to your right, but not going to be forever.
1: You know, and, and I think the other thing, Alex, over the course of time that has happened. So if we're in our 20th anniversary with the Alaris Center, many, many of our alums or our fans might see our football team play there on a Saturday, but they don't see really the other six days. And, yeah. and during the course of the non football season, it's sometimes seven days, right? I mean, you got to take a day off and all that, Rob. But but it could be parts of any seven days cycle, and that's where the majority of the training happens, right? That's that's where quote unquote you get better. And so I think that's the, you know that's the exciting part for us as we're kind of moving in and and trying to you know you know obviously compete against uh, I think the best in the FCS and then all the other sports that are uh, trying to make their way in the Summit League
0: exciting things for the football program but also again for for track and field for soccer for all the all those other sports that use that area good things coming um, over in the memorial stadium complex area the pollard center complex Speaking of some of those other sports, a lot of spring sports to get to. We'll do kind of the quick wrap-up of what's been going on. Uh, softball's been busy. They started Summit League play against Omaha this past weekend down in Nebraska. Got a split. Uh, we're doing back-to-back doubleheaders this year. So a couple of games on a Friday, a couple of games on a Saturday, etc. Um, two wins, two losses in Summit League play, including a couple of shutouts. Uh, UND coming back with a 1-0 and a 2-0 on Sunday pretty good start really I mean, I mean you always talk about it you've not played anything at home the duration of the spring you've been on the road the entire time playing great teams pretty good start against a, a strong omaha team to get things going
1: yeah i talked to coach stevens uh last week uh, because they were on a long extended road trip as well and again i all Northern schools, whether it be baseball or softball, you know, they always go extended uh, down South so they can get a, a, you know, obviously a lot of games in before their conference seasons kick off. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think our team's been playing pretty well. I think they're going to be obviously excited to play at Apollo and, uh, I don't know they they got a they got a puncher's chance here i think in the summit this year um we've we've had some really pretty good games uh pretty good wins i know that the one over east carolina was very very good um you know i thought we played very well against florida who's uh you know a top 10 team in the country so um but you know softball is literally about the circle and so uh if you're getting it done in the circle you got a shot (laughs)
0: Again, when you have two different pitchers that threw shutouts on the same day, that's pretty good. That's that's a good sign moving forward. They'll have a doubleheader coming up on Friday, Saturday in Vermillion against South Dakota. And then, as you mentioned, the home series, the home opener, really, against Western Illinois coming up on the 10th and 11th of april fingers crossed that the weather cooperates for those contests uh speaking of outdoor sports in the spring that are playing well women's soccer picking up a sweep of kansas city and grand forks this past weekend a couple dramatic comebacks as well an overtime win and they came back from one 0 down to win two to one the following day Five and five in the summit, very much in the conversation still for a top four spot to advance them onto the Summit League tournament in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I know. The, what do they say, Alex, whether it be hockey or soccer, the most dangerous uh, lead is two nothing. And and that's what <laughs> happened on that Friday and uh, found a way to, to to win in overtime that day as well. And uh, yeah, I you know, um, I, I think. Chris's uh, club has put themselves in a position to to vie for one of those four spots. So, uh, you know, more soccer to come. But uh, again, when we turn the the calendar from January, I was, you know, I think we're all suspect. Is it, are these things gonna happen? Are we really gonna play soccer outside in Grand Forks? Sure enough, we have.
0: And they played pretty well. Yes. It's, been, it's been pretty good. It's so been good. So they actually have two two more games left at Bronson this year. Those will come up on the 9th and the 11th of April against South Dakota. First, though, a road trip to South Dakota State, one of the best teams in the league on Friday and Sunday. A couple of big games, four big matches coming up as UND tries to make their way back to the Summit League tournament for the second straight year. Volleyball, one of those fall sports that got displaced to the spring. Their season wrapped up uh, last week. You know, just one of those years, kind of like women's basketball, young team, and they just never could kind of find their groove after a good start to the season. Just, just a tough year for Jeremiah Tiffin's club, but a year which hopefully they can use to propel themselves forward going into the fall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's some sports that got to play. I would say, um, you know, a a spring season that you got to learn a lot about your your roster at that point and now he had you know we had some injuries and all that and other schools have that as well so uh but i i think if you're ever really trying to evaluate to some degree where you're at um this gave you an opportunity to to understand i think uh you know Currently, where we sit, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, we put a we put a bow on the on the season this past weekend, and uh, and now we go into the off-season mode. And I know he's going into reflecting evaluation uh, scenario, and you know we'll be we'll be better be better for it when we uh, play in the fall.
0: Yeah, Jeremiah is a really good coach and a good guy, and they'll get things figured out. A lot of faith in what they can do. That staff is is really really sharp. So if you're looking for volleyball to make a comeback come this fall. Uh, one other staff and personnel note that we, had, we didn't get a chance to touch on on our last pod, Mallory Bernard, no longer the interim head coach of UND women's basketball, but the permanent head coach. Talk about the decision to get Mal back and to remove that interim tag after her first year as the head coach of the program.
1: Yeah, really excited uh, for what Mallory uh, can do, has done, will do for the program. Um you know, kind of neat to have a first time uh, former student athlete lead the program. Uh, Obviously, again, back to if we, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the name of our pod today will be historic pod. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, historic program and uh, and, you know, to know that um, she's going to she has every intention of getting us, uh, you know, in the mix, right, in, in the mix so that when you go down to Sioux Falls, you feel like you have a shot as, as much as anybody else to win three in a row. And, you know, there, there's no denying right now we've got a gap between us and uh, and the two South Dakota schools right now, uh, you know, and we need to close that gap and fast. And uh, and I think she has every uh, intention and thought process on on how to uh, go about that. And so we're excited uh, about her leadership and, you know, you mentioned it, you know, earlier, and it was just, it, just a lot of interesting things happened, uh, not necessarily to her, but to the program and then how she had to handle and manage it. And, uh, you know, she probably learned a lot. I mean, again, I, I know she did, but I mean, I think she just, there, there was just a lot of things that came at her, and I think she'll be much more prepared to be able to go forward with some things, because this year was incredibly unique.
0: What a difficult year to take over a program, you know, I mean, just in general, how, how to have to navigate all the things that she and the staff had to navigate, hopefully they're never going to have to navigate some of those things again, playing with seven players, having people last-minute dropout because of COVID, all the injury issues that they had, the weird travel, etc. But like you said, a great opportunity for her to grow a little bit into that role, to see what it's like, you know, to have the decisions rest on you in-game and off the court as well. And I, I even though they only won two games over the course of the season, I thought she did a tremendous job last year. And I'm really excited for her to have this opportunity now to move forward without the interim tag. And you've already seen that in recruiting already. You've you've seen in just even in the last couple of days, kids commit to the program who are kind of big time recruits. And she mentioned that that's how we're going to get better. We have to recruit better. We have to grow together in that sense. And already it looks like she's getting some players that are going to make a big difference in this program moving forward.
1: Yeah, Alex, you know, uh, I was lucky enough um, to reach out and have a really good conversation with coach Roebuck and he, hmm. you know, he was able to give me some perspective. Um, and I thought, you know, um, was incredibly valuable. And, uh, I think, you know, we we probably shared a a similar, um, uh, I guess, view of maybe what transpired. And uh, I just think. You know, us now moving forward, especially, and I know we're going to get into talking about transfers and transfer portals. I just think it's such a unique time frame that the basketballs are in right now and other sports that uh, had not had the one-time transfers. Other sports have had it. And so, uh, you know, maybe that's not as... Uh, um, unique for them, but I just thought a a level of stability right now made a whole lot of sense for us. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm excited to get into, uh, you know, um, to make sure that I could support, uh, all of our coaches, whether it be Mal or, or whomever, um, to, to be as competitive as we can be to give us a chance to win championships.
0: You mentioned the word transfers and that's what we're going to close our A side on today. And this has become transfer portal season really if especially for basketball it feels like men's and women's basketball have been hit hardest by this but obviously hockey volleyball other sports have a number in the portal as well you would send me the numbers as of today of the, the amounts of student athletes that have put their names in the transfer portal 1748 men's basketball players from d1 down to d3 have put their names in the majority of those coming in d1 Eleven hundred women's basketball players, two hundred thirty men's hockey players, five hundred forty women's volleyball players—all in the transfer portal right now. What do you make of what's happening right now? These are unprecedented numbers, mm-hmm. Bill, that we're seeing this season.
1: Yeah, so I'd say I'd say a couple things that we probably just maybe out of ground rules. Let's just uh, let's just make sure everybody's tracking on the same page. Is every sport that the NCAA uh, has a championship for? Every sport but five have had the ability to transfer one time and be immediately eligible. The five right now, football, baseball, hockey, and the two basketballs, men and women, are now experiencing potentially that opportunity because that legislation has yet to even pass at this point Mm. so all of this is in anticipation of those restrictions being loosened legislatively so let's start there so then with that and we believe i I, if i'm in this pod right now i believe 99.7 percent that it's gonna pass who knows what what will happen but the end of the day um I think it's almost as if now with the loosening of those restrictions, I think there's just um, continued recruitment of everyone on a yearly basis. That's it. That's where we are. And I'm not suggesting it's good or bad. I'm just saying it is. And it's, we need to embrace it, and we need to understand um, roster construction on an annual basis, especially in the sports today of basketball. Because, literally, I think there's um, there's just an opportunity that if you so choose chose choose to want to say go to another program or school to get another opportunity, it's there for you to do it. And I think people are taking full advantage of it right now. But I think this, I do think this, it's going to normalize all of this. I think a couple things are adding into this too. This year, this COVID year, Alex has been hard on, on, on everyone on everyone, right? It's been hard on families that lost family members due to COVID. So when you're talking about, I would say a a traditional freshman that came to college this year and they were here playing a sport and you're pretty much isolated, quarantine, testing, doing things that are just so abnormal that I just think there's levels of not only... Student athletes that maybe are looking for a different opportunity. Uh, I don't know, maybe think that the grass is greener somewhere else, all of that stuff. But I do think there's a really real thing where maybe student athletes would be like, you know, I'm assessing some things right now. And maybe I, you know, maybe where I'm at right now, there's a better place for me. I, I do think some of that's going on as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that people forget. I, th- I think sometimes you look at the amount of student athletes that are putting their names in to the transfer portal and it feels like, oh gosh, is this just uh, you know, kind of a millennial thing of I'm just giving up. You know, I'm, I'm pulling the plug. I'm, I'm looking for greener pastures right away. But a lot of it can be everybody, everybody's situation is unique and different. And we don't know what people have gone through over the course of this past year. And I think we need to sometimes look on these individual situations with a little more discernment and not just throw everybody into the same, you know, lump blanket. I, I think that's, that's a really good point. It's,
1: it's going to normalize at some point. And why it will normalize is this. Well, here's a, another couple of things that are just fascinating is over the last year, because now you, you, you get to play and you get a free year, that's going to impact the recruiting classes that are coming in from the high schools. That's yeah. going to happen, right? And from the JCs to some degree, and and, and so that's going to. You know, there's not unlimited roster spots across the country. There's just not. And if you if you uh, you know for the University of North Dakota, we're doing what we believe we need to do, which is maintain our roster spot in, integrity and what we're putting into it financially. Even though the NCAA decided that potentially you could extend. Financially, what you're giving in scholarships or grant AIDS, we're going to maintain what we've been doing because eventually you're going to have to go back to those numbers anyways. So, so when do you want to make the tough decision? That's really what it comes down to. So that's what we've said to our coaches, hey, look, you know, yes, you might have a student athlete that wants to continue to play. It just may not be here anymore but every situation is different like you said and it's almost like now we have buckets you have the graduate student that literally got their undergrad degree good for them that's the reason why they came here and then if they have a chance to go somewhere else because you know what they want a different experience You know what? I can't fault anyone in that regard. Then it might be a situation where someone just says, you know what? Maybe this isn't the right spot for me, whether it be playing time. It could be socially. It could be just regionally. Who knows what it is? Academic? I don't know. Then they want to move on. And then there just could be the other one that just says, hey, look, I'm just, uh, you know, I think I could go to X place because that's a better place for me to be. Who are we to say (laughs) that's right or wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. but we, but what we need to do though is really try to, uh, you know, what's going to happen in those two sports? The more you can be stabilized, the better. And right now, our two programs, men's and women's, I'm talking to Paul and Mal on a daily basis. You know, we've just got to now figure out, okay, that's fine. Where are we? But then start bringing in back to bringing in and really going through, okay, why are you coming here? Why do you want to be here? Why is this the right place for you? And, and, and it might not just be because I want to play Division I basketball. That may not be enough. That may not be enough anymore. I mean, it's we have to really discern and do the best job we can. Now finally, and I know I'm going on a rant here and sorry we're going overtime.
0: No, you're you're fine. Is
1: uh overtime.
0: Overtime. Is <laughs>
1: is, is is the COVID piece has probably thrown a wrench in this from a recruiting standpoint because we haven't been able to be out with students, too. So that that's made it challenging, too. So there's just a lot of there's a confluence of things that have been going on here that, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll get it really stabilized. And I think all of this will normalize at some point. But right now, holy cow, the portals
0: popping. The internet's done a good job, I think, of playing with this and putting it into perspective. And from the, like, the, the pictures of South Beach that's just full of people and like, oh, this is live look at the transfer portal right now. There's been a lot of those that have been fun.
1: Yeah, my favorite one was the transfer portal then entered the transfer portal. <laughs> so that, that was really pretty funny, clever. Um, you know, really why this has to normalize at some point, because other sports have dealt with this already. So so it 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 has, it's new to a couple of other sports. What's happening is there's a just a I'll call it a a more cognizant, um, maybe higher visibility aspect to it to some degree. But what is not great, it's just not. This is what's not great, and then this is where it needs to normalize. It doesn't feel good when it feels like oh, you're going to play a game and they might actually be recruiting your own player off of your team. Like that was never sort of a thing before it, because there was always a consequence to you transferring that you really had to think through. Oh, I have to sit out a year in residence before I get to play. That Then that becomes, you really have to think through, do I want to do this? N- now with that taken away, you know, I, you know you go play somewhere and not only are they playing you they're actually potentially got a recruiting visit going on at, at the same time and that doesn't feel great
0: no not not great i do want to ask you when will that vote take place do you expect that decision to be made sometime in the at the next council meeting when when do you think that's going to happen i think
1: within the next month i think they 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 have yeah. some sort of a emergency meeting this week. We I don't even know what that's about, but I do know that um, the Supreme Court uh, is hearing the Alston case uh, this week. I don't think it has anything to do with that, quite frankly. Um, it could be about recruiting again, Alex. I mean, I think there's a mindset that after this dead period ends May 31st, that we're gonna start you know opening uh, or turning the spigot back on the recruiting spigot so that mm-hmm. might be the conversation because we need a little bit of time to make sure that we get that figured out and socialized i do think the normal uh, council meeting which maybe is in a couple of weeks i know i think it's in, in april sometime um it wouldn't surprise me if that's when the vote will take place
0: yeah something to monitor as you move into the middle of spring and into summer it's it's an interesting time when you turn on Twitter and you sort of see the latest batch of people that have decided to either leave programs you care about. I think sometimes it becomes so personal, like for people that care about UND men's and women's basketball and you see people leaving and like, why, why, why are you leaving? What, do you not, do you not, what, what did we do to you? What's going on? But I think you have to remember, again, everybody has their own situation in life and we just... It's really easy to judge from 10,000 feet, but you just don't know what people have going on. So, yeah, hopefully for fans out there to just remember, be respectful. Everybody's trying to find happiness in this life and trying to find their best pursuit and and, and their best path forward. And maybe for some of those kids, it just doesn't happen to be here in Grand Forks.
1: Yeah, you're, um, you know, Alex, I fully believe this. Um, You never know how long your chapter is going to be. And, you know, you can make, you know, you can be impactful in one season, or you can be impactful in parts of five seasons and everything in between. And each team is its own year. And, and I think, you know, in especially the sports now that are going to be dealing with this, uh, you know, there's going to have to be kind of a mindset change in, in regards to, oh, imagine when, you know, he or she becomes a junior, what, what, what are they, you know, you know, maybe. Maybe, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we, we, we just have to be really thoughtful and sort of embrace this um, opportunity because um, I, here's the other thing I've been saying about the portal. I'll, 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 end on this one. The portal taketh and the portal giveth.
0: <laughs> it does work both ways.
1: you're Right. I mean, the pendulum swings both ways. And so I just think that, you know, our coaches um, are going to do a really good job of trying to construct what they think uh, the roster needs to be and with the vision of what it always needs to be moving forward. And, you know, in a sport like hockey where, you know, I thought Brad and the coaching staff always had sort of challenges based on the juniors situation and who might be coming and and then if you're you know fortunate enough have a roster full of really um great players you know they may depart earlier than their four years and so then you add in the portal on top of this and now you've got like uh, you know you're trying to juggle three balls right now up in the air and uh and and they'll do an awesome job trying to figure out what all this looks like but You could only imagine there's just a lot of conversation occurring.
0: No, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I think for fans out there to remember, we've got good people in charge of these individual programs that are being hit by this. And that, like you said, we will lose some good players that you've gotten used to seeing on the court or on the field or on the ice. And you'll get some really good ones who will come and join the program and look for an opportunity. It'll mean that I will have to tear up my roster sheets every year and sort of start anew, but that's okay. We get to meet a whole new group of folks every year. It's going to be different but we'll make the most of it in the end. That's right. That's right.
1: And we're here, I I think from an educational standpoint, and we are wrapping competition and sport around it. And if we learned anything on Saturday night, um, slash Sunday morning is, you know, it's the reason why we do it. And, and, And it's memorable and it's historical and it's educational and it's all of that. And so, uh, you know, and we get an opportunity sometimes to meet new people and that's, that's fun too. So, um, you know we're, we're we'll figure this one out but it, like i said the, the the portal certainly has uh it's getting a lot of attention right now <laughs>
0: yes. yes it is a full a full place to be at this point so well keep an eye on that as we move forward we kind of went long today so we'll do the the, the one sentence b side as we flip over to the b side it's opening week in major league baseball boston red sox are playing meaningful baseball games on april the first against baltimore your thoughts as the season gets ready to begin, Bill, quickly on the Boston Red Sox. I
1: think they'll be sneaky. Um, I, I, I don't know. They'll be scrappy. How about that? They'll be sneaky, scrappy this year. I think uh, back with Alex at the helm. I think he's kind of stabilized some things. Um, really concerned about Erod. Um, you know, that's a yeah, that's, that's a con- that's a concerning thing. I, I don't know if they're calling it what a, a dead arm or
0: dead arm was the word. Yep.
1: That's. Those two words together, whether it's hyphenated or not, is not good.
0: It's not great. When you're a pitcher, nah, not great.
1: Well, and especially your left arm. Yeah. For him.
0: <laughs> the one that you're using to do your your what you do. Yeah, you don't want that to be. Dead is not the term you'd want to be associated with that. He's day-to-day right now, so we'll see what that means.
1: But. I, I would say with, with sail on the mend and him not there – it's going to be challenging for sure. I think their lineup will score some runs. I just don't know. And, and, they'll, and Here's the, they'll, they'll score some runs. I think they'll play better defense. JD will be better this year. He was just was not good last year. And so I think all of that will be better, but it's going to come down to pitching and pitching is going to be challenging.
0: The rotation right now, again, Erod would be their number one, but he's out for the moment. Nady Duvaldi is going to get the start on Thursday against the Orioles. Garrett Richards is their third. Uh, Martin Perez is their fourth. And Nick Pavetta is their fifth starter, at least penciled in right now. I mean, (laughs) can I be honest? I didn't know three of those guys, three of the five, until I looked up their depth chart this morning. That's, again, we both were out last season. We just chose not to get invested. So maybe those guys are okay. Don't have high hopes going to be a lot. They're going to have to win a lot of like nine, seven games this year, which could be fun. We'll see. This is not shilling in Pedro. This, this does not feel like, yeah, Tim Wakefield is your fifth starter. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like those days, <laughs> those days are long gone, Yeah. but well, we'll see. You know,
1: they, they're in a, they're in a little bit of a long play right now and yeah. <clears> they're <throat> not, um, they made a choice. They're, they're not, going to straddle themselves with certain contracts. Obviously when they didn't straddle themselves with Mookie's contract, they're obviously not doing that right now. And so that, so we're in a complete reset right now.
0: I will say this. They were 16 and 10 in grapefruit league play third best in spring training. They had a plus 30 run differential by the way, which was third best as well. I know it doesn't mean much, but they were awful last year in the spring. And they were awful the year before in the spring. And this gives me at least a little bit of hope that they could be competitive. Yeah, I,
1: I don't disagree. They have a really interesting uh, roster where they can, they, they in their lineup, I think is f- pretty flexible. And I think they're going to play good D. I, I think they're going to be scrappy. I, uh, that's it. And, but, you know, the, the best teams, uh, certainly, uh, yeah, they're just not going to uh, compete with that pitching staff at this point. Other bullpen should be okay. But I'm not sure they're going to be able to, oh, they're going to get to their bullpen. They're just going to get to it
0: soon. (laughs) Soon. They'll get to it in the fourth inning. But that's, again, all good. Fun at baseball. will be back. Looking forward to it.
1: Last thing I'll say on the B
0: side. Yes, please, Bill. So uh,
1: we've eliminated all of our distractions, and we're guns on Chelsea right now. We're trying to get to the fourth spot. (laughs) Jose's got a plan. That's what I'm saying. He's got a plan. He's going to win that one, the one, game one match we have to against man city we're gonna load up and get that one done mm-hmm. and um
0: that's in a couple weeks by the way i think april 17th i think is when that is sounds right. something, something like that sounds yeah. right
1: and then the uh and, and and truly when you don't have to do the midweek thing boy life does become a little bit i'll say easier right i mean it's easier to play your top lineup
0: so this is the this was the master plan all along to drop out of the europa league <laughs> <laughs> in stunning, humiliating fashion. I wasn't going to bring it up, but, you know, eh, you know, 3-0, three whatever, it, it happens. Might as well go out fantastically. And it was fantastic, in, every, in the wrong sense of the word. A fantastical defeat.
1: And Hugo Lloris, uh, he was not happy yeah. as the captain. Yeah. And so, I don't know, if they beat Newcastle this week, it, you know, they, they're, they're actually vying at least for a European spot.
0: Still pretty tight. I mean that the four through ten is all still kind of close in the EPL. A couple of a couple of months left to decide things, of course. In that range, we'll two, see. Two other
1: quickies on soccer. Um, I did see where Sunderland has snuck up to the no, number three position in the table, and I think they have a match in hand, and they could be they could be sneakily maybe getting into promotion. Territory for them.
0: Now they're they're in the third division, so they're in League One. So you could maybe see them then in the championship mm-hmm. next season. The mm-hmm. Black Cats again for Sunderland till I die fans. So that would be a step in the right direction. Good, it, and It would crown. be great
1: for Sunderland till I die.
0: It, it would be great television if they could pull this off. They will probably find a way to bottle it over the. Which and again, also great television. Either way,
1: that's right. Whether <laughs> it be streaming or linear. Exactly. Right? Which, again, (laughs) I think we've identified on this pod. I'm not sure which one's greater right now. Mm -hmm. We might Mm -hmm. think it. I mean, yep. We're going to go back to review and all that. There's going to be things on this pod that we could always go back to, and I could go down a rabbit (laughs) hole hard. All right. I'm going to stop there. That's what I'll do.
0: There we go. Okay. Well, all good things. All good stuff. Good conversation today. A lot of stuff to hit on, Bill. Yep. Glad glad to hear your thoughts on a lot of different things.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, Alex. You know, um, it was just a great um Great year for hockey. It's it, it's a tough one. It, 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 that one was, you know, for for everyone around it, you're just going to be gutted for a long while.
0: Yeah, certainly. But still, lots to be proud of for that group. With that, we will say goodbye for this week. Happy Easter, Bill, to you and yours. And to everybody listening out there. Uh, thanks again for listening to this edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast. For Bill, for our producer, Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Heinert. We'll talk to you soon.